0: Connect to more.
1: It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show, nuances Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football!
0: Everybody must be bored since it's so hot because we got a ton of guests coming in today. Welcome into Nuana's Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television all around the great state of Montana. It's your one-stop shop for all things sports. Also going to talk the overlay of sports and business right off the top here with Justin Angle. We'll get to that here in just a quick minute. want to listen in or watch in somewhere besides the radio or the traditional television, Go to the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also stream us on YouTube. It's a great way to either listen or watch the show, both in real-time or in archived fashion. So just type in N-U-A-N-E-Z. That's N-U-A-N-E-Z. You want to give us a call, shoot us a text, be involved in the show, 888-1029. That's 406 888 one zero two nine All oh, guest joins for the Rankish Brothers RV. Full line. That's a hot one out there. I'm sweating. I'm flush. <laughs> I don't really know how to mitigate this. I know it's cliche and dumb to talk about the weather because you can't control it. And the extremes of the weather is why I live in Montana. But regardless, it is trying uh, while you're trying to do a daily radio show. Justin Engels is going to swing by here in just a quick minute. We're going to talk about the latest Supreme Court ruling in uh, regard to the uh, NCAA, we're also going to talk about uh, the newest Michael Phelps documentary. It's, it's, a, it's actually an Olympic documentary called The Weight of Gold and what sort of impacts all of that pressure, but also economy has on the mindset of, um, of athletes, especially at the Olympic level. We're also going to talk about sports and cryptocurrencies and how they continue to become increasingly linked. It is a Tuesday, so that means we're going to be joined by Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads. If you haven't been paying attention, Paddleheads are rolling. They just took four out of six from the Ogden Raptors. They have the best record in the Pioneer League, period, after that series victory. Tuesdays are their off days, so Jeff swings by each Tuesday to give us sort of a recap of the week that was. We're going to talk about this recent six-game series against Ogden. We're going to talk about the new golf course. This was actually a carryover from last summer, but uh, golf is back at Ogren Park Allegiance Field, so um, we'll give you details on that as well. About 4.45, got some free Taglieri Deli for you. So remember that number, 888-1029. 25 bucks to Taglieri Delicatessen, best sandwiches in all of Missoula. Too hot for me to eat one today, but I eat plenty already, so don't you worry about that. But Jim O'Day, also going to swing by about 4.45. He'll be with us from 4.45 to about 5.45 before he's got to take off uh, for another engagement. We're going to talk everything from the Montana Football Hall of Fame banquet. His impressions, uh, what he thought of the class, maybe some memories about some of the guys that have gone in both in this class and previous classes. We're also going to hear from Travis Lule, former Montana State quarterback. We did not get to Travis yesterday, so we'll get to that today as well. And some other good stories like we always do uh, with Jim. We'll probably touch with him as well on uh, this NCAA controversy as well with the Supreme Court decision from last week and what it means for everybody involved. Tommy, I know you said you have a good story, but is it, how long is the story? Is it, a, is it a full deal, or what, what do we what do we want to do here? Because Tommy wants to reinstitute the best thing in the world today, which I think is a great idea for a segment. Well, so everything I, I say is a great idea. Well, of course. That's why you're back here. That's why you're the producer of this show. Uh, you've got three lines blinking here, and I know we've got to get to—am I calling your guest here? Uh, yes, please call Justin. Okay, so that would I be great. Four
1: lines. So let's do that later.
0: I'm going to get to okay, some callers and cool. I'm going to get your guest on. That sounds great. If you hadn't heard, last week the Supreme Court ruled on paying athletes. It was a unanimous ruling, nine to nothing, that the NCAA could no longer ban modest payments. Justice Gorsuch wrote a pretty narrow majority opinion stating that the NCAA could not limit payment plans or benefits related to education. Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, went quite a bit further in his concurrence and pretty clearly stated that the current labor practices of the NCAA are an antitrust violation. So price-fixing uh, is a thing. And essentially, um, it was an overwhelming and unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, which, broadly not surprising, but still uh, very impactful. I think it's going to be one that we talk about for a really long time around college athletics. By the way, Nuwana is now... Broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsport studio. Happy to have Northwest Motorsport on board. They are new to Missoula. So go check out their uh, lot. They have more inventory than anybody in the Pacific Northwest. So go check them out at the corner of Stevens and Mount. Trucks, trucks, and more trucks. That's their slogan, and they're not lying. So uh, please go check out Northwest Motorsport today. They are the proud presenting sponsor of the Nuanas now studio. Regardless, this uh, NCAA... And Supreme Court ruling regarding the NCAA is an impactful one, to be sure. It's going to be going to be one we talk about for quite some time, both around here and just on a national scale. So with, for, without further ado, we go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, Justin Angle. It's a business angle. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuanas Now. Time slot, a little bit flexible, but appreciate Justin for leading the show today because we had some guests that are coming in a little bit later on. But either way, Justin, how you doing, my man? Probably a little too hot for your daily run this time of year, huh? Oh uh, yeah, I
1: get out early this time of year, <laughs> as close to sunrise as I can get. So uh, yeah, I was thankful to get that in before it got too hot. But even then, at like whatever time I left the house this morning, five thirty or something, it was still pretty darn warm. No question. This uh, the
0: way that this uh, heat wave is working too. It's hottest as the afternoon goes on. Like it's supposed to hit a hundred here at six p.m., which is sort of crazy. I'd actually love to know the meteorological. Uh, Science behind all of that, but here or there, let's oh, talk gosh. about this Supreme Court decision from last week because we've been talking about this a lot around here already. You and I have talked about it uh, sort of as a precursor before this went down, but the Supreme Court was very pointed, very thorough, and very um, on the same page, very unanimous in their decision. First of all, let's talk about antitrust laws in general. You're you're a business guy, and, and antitrust laws and uh, sort of the the mitigation of and, and disallowment of things like monopolies or uh, price fixing, things like that. It, it's been a big part of American history, particularly in the post-Industrial Revolution portion of American history. So just take us through sort of those sort of laws and then how that overlays with then what we've seen with the rise of college football over the last 50 years, particularly the last 10, where it's become this gigantic money-making machine that basically employs basically free labor.
1: Yeah, there's a lot in there, and I'm not a a legal scholar, nor am I an expert necessarily on antitrust, but what I do know is that there's kind of um, historically been a a few different ways, particularly in recent history, that that the courts have sort of thought of um, antitrust. And, um, you know, up until kind of the, the Reagan years, there was, you know, this notion that you know, the reason for antitrust legislation was to protect the consumer you know, from harm, and then in the '80s, that sort of gave rise to the interpretation of harm meant higher prices, and the assumption is that you know when a, when a company or an entity has monopoly power. It can control the market and ultimately will raise prices, and uh, that will be harmful for consumers. There's a bunch of different reasons why that could also be harmful for other stakeholders, Uh, the employees, for example, um, members of the community, the environment, innovation in general, um, the opportunities of other firms to develop products and compete. Um, So there are other ways to conceptualize harm, but in recent years, it's sort of been conceptualized in terms of prices. Um, and when we think about the NCAA or sports in general, these leagues have monopoly power generally. Um, although, you know, we're seeing some fractures of that monopoly power, particularly with the, you know, um, NCAA football playoffs or college football playoffs is probably a better way to describe it. Um, and we've talked about that. But, but, but when we're talking about the Supreme Court case, you know, the court decided somewhat narrowly um, in a unanimous decision written by Justice Gorsuch that the NCAA cannot limit payments um, payments associate payments and benefits associated with education. Um, but in a concurrence by Justice Kavanaugh, he went further and said that the NCAA essentially is violating antitrust law by limiting the payments essentially in this case to zero, um, in terms of salary to athletes. And, you know, that is equivalent to price fixing. And when a monopoly or any collusion, any, any sort of consortium of organizations, um, you know, uh, sort of get together to price fix, that's a violation of antitrust law. And so the, the court didn't exactly say that's what um, was at stake. Cause that wasn't exactly the details of this particular case, but You know, in a lot of these decisions, they sort of invite future cases to come and tee up arguments for those cases. They can sort of signal what the court um, would be sensitive to. And so I think uh, the court was sending a signal that the NCAA is vulnerable to antitrust uh, suits. And so this just seems like, I mean, we've talked about it over and over again, Coulter. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts, but it just seems like we've been on this slow-moving train to one, athletes getting paid and the power structure that is currently um, centered around the NCAA fundamentally uh, changing uh, or breaking up even. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. And then there's, there's subsequent downstream things happening w- with athletes getting paid for um, name, image, and likeness that we can talk about next. But that's kind of the, the highlights of the antitrust piece, if, if that makes sense.
0: Justin Engel joining us. It's a business angle here on Nuana is now presented proudly by Blackfoot communications. We do this a couple times a month on Tuesdays, the overlay between business and sports, but we'll play devil's advocate here just for a second, uh, Justin. The, so the, the notion that athletes don't get paid tangibly is true. Mm-hmm. That, that is true, but they do receive a full ride scholarship a lot in a lot of cases in some sports, maybe not, but in most cases, division one, athletes, which is by and large what we're talking about because Division One sports are the, the engine behind what drives this multi-billion dollar industry that is sort of legislated over but not actually governed by the NCAA. I think that's one huge piece of misperception is that the NCAA is a governing body. In fact, it's a governing body to institute championships and that's all all NCAA rules that are passed down are actually not college sports rules. They're only rules for teams to be eligible for said championship. So all teams obey those rules because the end goal is a championship. But that's here nor there. What what I'm getting at is the NCAA, this money-making machine that is college sports in general, which people associate with the NCAA, but is actually not uh, all-encompassing. It is the entity of college sports is the thing that makes all of the money. Well, that said, let's let's take the power 5 conferences let's specifically talk about the sec so the southeastern conference right now is absolutely the most lucrative conference when it comes to college football so then then in turn the most lucrative conference in college sports in general Mostly because of the TV money, but also because of the amount of money that the teams can make at the gate based on fan attendance, all that. Okay, so now you have. Let's take the University of Alabama for example. They're making forty-five to fifty million dollars a year on TV money. They're probably making another twenty to twenty-five at the gate, uh, and they're probably making I don't know a couple million, se- several million dollars in merchandise, whatever. They're producing probably close to, if not surpassing, a hundred million dollars in revenue. You're talking about these leagues producing a billion, probably. Uh, cumulatively, and then the entity itself, who knows what it's valued at, but it's certainly a very wealthy one. Well, if you're a full-ride scholarship player at an SEC school, let's stick with Alabama, you're getting a full-ride to play football at Alabama. You're also receiving full cost of attendance, which means you're receiving between five dollars and $7,000 per semester that is in addition to your room and board and tuition and fees all being paid for you. You're also then, uh, especially if you're a minority student, you can receive things like Pell Grants and FAFSA and other forms of financial aid that then is an additional amount of money that you receive uh, for your talents as a player. So if you were to equate this to what a salary might be, on one hand, it is certainly unfair because you are working for a multi-million dollar industry or a multi-million dollar company within a multi-billion dollar industry. So the wage inequality is certainly something to scoff at if you are considering those benefits as some sort of "quote unquote" wage. That said, I don't think it's any different than any major corporation in uh, America, particularly the ones that do exploit their workers with very low wages, despite the fact that they are multi-billion-dollar uh, companies. Not, not to—I don't want to talk about specifics, just in, in lieu of not getting ourselves in trouble here. But there are plenty of multi-billion-dollar companies that have um, very low-wage workers that don't get benefits. So I guess the devil's advocate argument here is that there's a lot of people in America that don't have as much of a uh, ground to stand on in terms of the way that their employer exploits them as college athletes might. So I think that's where this whole thing gets fractured. Because on one hand, again, these kids are making all of the money for the athletic entities that they play for. But on the other hand, they are compensated for it, and some people would say well compensated for it considering their age and relative lack of life experience, particularly if you compare this to other multi-billion-dollar industries in which workers are exploited by getting paid low wages.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow that line of logic, Coulter, and I understand you're playing devil's advocate, but I don't think uh, it holds up to defend this system of not paying college athletes by analogizing it to how workers at Amazon or whatever, these multi-billion dollar companies are treated. Um, but ultimately I think a way to kind of draw that out a little bit is to, to think about who is creating the value here and who is assuming risk. So if you're a line worker at at a major corporation, like, how directly are you contributing to the value that company creates if you're packing a box or turning a wrench or whatever you're doing. And that's not to diminish the value of that work, Um, but I do think it's harder in that case to say that, you know, without any single employee, the company wouldn't be able to create a value for for, for its customers. In the case of big time college sports, I mean, the power, I think, when this thing all shakes out, it's gonna land with the athletes, and particularly the athletes in the big money-making sports, particularly men's football and men's basketball. And, you know, not many other sports generate revenue for these institutions. And that has a lot of implications. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that these athletes, you know, should get paid um, a market wage because if we let the, the free market sort this all out, it's like the quarterbacks at the sec schools or the running backs are going to make a ton of money and you know, the rest of the universities around the country are going to have to cancel or going to have to cut gymnastics and fencing and softball and all these other sports that are subsidized um, by the major sports. So it it does have, I think, you know, I'm not advocating free market, but at the same time, I think these athletes kind of have the power and I think they're being exploited right now in a lot of, a lot of people are getting rich off the talents of these folks.
0: Justin Angle, join us. It's a business angle here on Nuanas Now we do this every other Tuesday. Proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. This is—it's such a, a give and take. There's such a double-edged sword here, Justin, because mm-hmm. you're totally right. I mean, let's say that every football player was—they they made a, a model that is uh, equitable for everybody to get paid what their true value in terms of their. Marketing acceleration and brand name recognition could be for their their school. If that happened, and, and that we had we had a, a mutual decision that that was fair, it would then in turn destroy a lot of other college sports because schools like Texas A and M, when they have Johnny Manziel on this unbelievable Heisman Trophy campaign, that's worth seriously more than a hundred million dollars in marketing, probably, given the amount of exposure he received and the amount of. Sports center stuff he's doing, and he's throwing the football off the top of the stadium through the basketball hoop, and it's going viral on YouTube. I mean, it's insane the amount of marketing that they're getting for this. So if you were to make that right, that's all fine and good. But that money is getting taken out of the athletic budget. That money is then not going to women's swimming. It's not going to men's golf. So then what happens to those sports? And then in turn, the eternal argument of having those sports on your campus, how does that accentuate the campus community, the campus life, the vibrance of the university? So I do think that it's a uh, incredibly slippery slope on both sides. And I also just wonder what happens just with the way that... Um, I, I guess there would be no way for the pay if you were to truly uh, pay each individual player based on their talents, potential, and accomplishment. Wages across college football would be fully impossible to make equitable. There's no, there's no way you could do it. You'd have... Uh, third-string walk-on kicker at Auburn making five bucks while Cam Newton's over here getting paid $100 million. I just don't really know how, how you do it. And then what does that do to the competitive balance of the sport as well? Uh, it, it is all a, a very uh, fascinating deal because I don't think we're really going to get to the end of this for quite some time, uh, if ever. The NCAA I mean, has also proposed this so, name go, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I mean, the, the
1: NCAA has is, is sort of just been – Sitting back and waiting for Congress to step in, and just ha- has had this passive kind of um, defending the status quo at all costs, and and only sort of making a concession when they're forced to by the courts or you know they've sort of asked for Congress to. I mean, one way to think about this and is is what what is the what is the middle path? Because if you take it to its logical extension, it sort of exposes that college sports it might not be a sustainable thing in its current conception, right? No question. I mean, there's some original sin of the concept of college sports that we've talked about on this segment before, but could you kind of conceptualize it like a a UBI type of arrangement, universal basic income, where all athletes uh, across sports at a certain level are paid an annual stipend? 10,000 bucks, 20,000 bucks. I don't know what it is. Right. And then an athlete within certain uh, boundaries is allowed to monetize his or her or their um, name, image, and likeness in the open market. So if you want to be an Instagram influencer, if you want to endorse a product, go for it. And if you're sort of, you know, Johnny Manziel, you can do that at a high level. If you're, you know, a gymnast in the small market, maybe you can endorse the gym now, but that's like, you can be an entrepreneur on your own level. Right. But there is this basic salary that we can pay all athletes because otherwise you're right. Like the quarterbacks are going to get the big contracts and you know, the, the fencers are going to get nothing. And you know, um, if colleges value being able to offer a wide array of athletic opportunities to a wide array of students, um, you know, they're going to have to figure out solutions like this.
0: And that's the other thing I I wonder about too, is that this whole um, commentary centers upon the super halves, not just the halves, but the super halves, the ones that have all of the money. So let's say that this trickles down to the big sky conference level and it's in the state of Montana. Well, branding yourself with the Grizz or the Bobcats is a huge thing for many businesses in the state of Montana. The way that the college structure works with the, uh, the packages that you get and who sells them, it's a third-party company called Learfield Sports. Learfield Sports, anybody that listens to the games on the radio or you see the games on TV, you've seen the advertisements for Learfield. Learfield sells marketing and advertising for Division I schools across the United States of America. I believe that they have more than 250 Division I schools, so they have a vast majority, if not a monopoly, on Division I football specifically, but Division I schools that offer football programs that are lucrative. But then I wonder, you know, say you got the XYZ truck dealership over here, or you have, you know, the the most popular sports bar in town. Well, if those two decide to not advertise with the school and brand themselves with the Grizz or the Bobcats anymore, but instead they directly get athletes as endorsers, that's probably a good thing for the athlete, but then what does that do for the school? Where does the marketing revenue come from, or the advertising revenue rather, come from if all of a sudden there's no signage and there's no uh, spots in programs and there's no radio spots and there's no TV commercials for... The University of Montana or Montana State, because all of the companies are now choosing to use their marketing dollars on specific individuals as endorsers, what does that do to then the economy and and basically the quote-unquote business plan of the Montana or Montana State football team and then intern athletic department? I think that's a real worry as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so so many layers like this. You got to wonder then, like, who is the athlete's boss? Right. Is it the coach? Exactly. Or is it the athletic director or is it the guy running the, you know, the town pump that wrote the endorsement check? No question. Um, particularly if the town pump is writing a bigger check than the uh, than the amount of the scholarship. Um, I mean, you could ask the same thing about like LeBron James. Who Who's his boss? That's the coach true. of the Lakers or <laughs> is it right. Nike? Right. That's
0: right. It, it is. It's very true. And th- But that would be a fascinating scenario as well, because there is a, an option here. You know, at the FCS level, where you know the base salaries of the of the two head football coaches, for example, in Montana, are very lucrative compared to normal Montana wages, particularly for a state job. Uh, both Bobby Houck and, and Brent Vegan have a base salary of more than $200,000 that also includes, you know, $50,000, $60,000 each guaranteed in terms of media and appearances and all that. So a quarter million dollars plus at the very beginning before you get any incentives or bonuses, that's great money for any state employee in a rural state like Montana, no question. Mm-hmm. There is a scenario, though, where you could have a guy that was a big enough star and or a business or booster interested enough or, uh, or rabid enough to pay a kid more than the coach. That is commonplace in the NBA. LeBron James makes probably, I don't know, 50 times more than Frank Vogel makes, but he's a grown man in a professional in, in entity. I just wonder, you know, what if there's a scenario where a kid gets paid more than his head coach, that could be a very, very precarious situation as well.
1: Yeah. Particularly if, if that athlete's paid by an outside entity, right? I right. mean, if it's internal, there's maybe some mechanisms where you could create boundaries of power, but if it, if it's an external entity, um, then it could get really messy. I mean, ultimately like, you know, we're we're obviously not going to solve this problem in this segment I today. I don't think anybody but is. But I, I think it's, it's in a problem that, you know, I think we're facing across our society. The concentration of wealth and power in the hands of the few is disrupting our society in so many different ways. And what's happening in the NCAA, if it, if it moves closer to, you know, if college sports moves closer to a free market system, it will mirror the effects that we're seeing across, you know, our society in general with wealth concentration. And so, you know, if, if we if we like some of these sports, if we, you know, if, if there's good in this system, and I think there is some, uh, there are certainly problems, but I think we're going to have to be thoughtful about thinking about solutions and, um, You know, waiting for Congress to do it just doesn't seem like a winning strategy to me. (laughs) Waiting for Congress to do anything doesn't seem like a a winning strategy.
0: Indeed, that is in fact true for sure. Justin Angle joining us at the Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this a couple times a month, the overlay between business and sports. Justin, a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School. You mentioned in our uh, email chain... Justin, the, the weight of gold, which is a great HBO documentary. I watched it a couple weeks back, uh, highlighting Michael Phelps. Uh, he's a producer for this thing, but it's talking about Olympic athletes in general and some of the heights they can reach in terms of fame, notoriety, and also endorsement, but also how swiftly that goes away, particularly if you're an Olympic athlete where there's quite literally no opportunity for you to carry on your career in in almost any form or fashion. Um, After you're done participating, look at Michael Phelps. He is the most decorated Olympian in the history of this country, in the history of the Olympics. At a certain moment in time, I actually remember writing a a paper for my business journalism class at the University of Montana uh, coming out of the 2008 Beijing Olympics. Talking about the endorsements he was set to make when the uh, quote unquote amateur portion of his career was over. Well, that happened for a brief moment in time, but then we have not really heard from Michael Phelps in quite some time unless it's in a, an address of one of his personal issues. But this brings me into a, a a different sort of question when it, when it comes to sort of the moral dilemma here because I thought you said it well in our email. It, it's almost as if we love watching this stuff so much and we love enjoying the talents of these athletes so much and we love the, the centering rally cry of... of watching Americans in the Olympics and rooting on Americans. And it all makes us feel so good and together and united and all these things. But there is a real moral dilemma here. And it's been shown over and over and over again with these Olympic athletes having such a hard time making it in any form or fashion after their Olympic careers are finished. Yet we seem to give them a pass on the ethics of any of this because we just seem to enjoy it so damn much
1: yeah I mean ultimately this this all of what we 're talking about derives from like gladiators in the arena of old right in ancient Rome or whatever it was right and, and so we 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 as a society have just loved watching these athletic um, pursuits and competitions for so long. And this relates too to, to these issues with college sports as well. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, we, we, we sort of centered our conversation around the super halves, right? The point oh 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 one percent but you know, the majority of athletes, particularly college athletes, even at top, top football and basketball programs, they're not gonna make, you know, sports is not gonna be their job. Um, and so if, if you wanna compete at the tip of the spear in the Olympics, it's gotta be your job and, and this this documentary talks about like the individual sacrifices these athletes make. Oh yeah. And you know it's hard. It's you know, on the on one level it's easy to sort of say, well, you know, cry me a river about these poor Olympians, right? But you know, think about it. You orient it you orient your life with singular purpose and then all of a sudden it's done. And maybe you've dropped out of high school, maybe you've uh you know just just said no to education because it's been too expensive or too much time away from your sport. And all of a sudden it's done, and you've got no network, you've got no training, and you know maybe a luck a, some lucky few can like flash that medal or the Olympian credential on their resume and they'll get a job interview. I know some folks that have been able to parlay those opportunities. Um, But in this day and age, it's really hard to get a job with a company if you can't do anything. Right. And um, that's not to say these folks can't do anything, but businesses now, they want people that can come in on day one, you know, able to write code, do a sales call, um, you know, design or whatever it is. And, you know, these folks have been so successful on one dimension, one single dimension of their life. And that, that success doesn't necessarily generalize to other areas. And a lot of times, you know, the system just sort of leaves them behind because it's got to move on to the next athlete. There's so little money to fund a lot of these, you know, Olympic sports programs, um, that, 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 that money has to go to the people that are training and competing. And when it's all done, it's all done. I
0: think about this all the time, particularly covering college sports in the communities around Montana that we do. I think that by and large, uh, the majority, especially of football guys that we get the chance to cover – are pretty darn realistic about their future prospects. There's very few delusional yeah. guys that think they're going to the NFL. It is funny in Division I basketball. Most Division I basketball players, men's basketball players, they think they're going to the NBA. Even if they're playing at Southern Utah or Weber State or Montana, they think they're going to the NBA. That's a whole different conversation, though. Most of the guys, though, at this level, they know exactly uh, if they have a football future or not. And uh, I think that the most successful guys I know that use what they learned from the athletic sphere into then real life are the guys that realize pretty early on and are realistic about it, that they have this opportunity to build a name for themselves and work hard and persevere and learn these life skills, but then also hone and fuel your competitive desires. And then when it's time to be done, be realistic about being done and then move on to the next phase of your life. And most of the guys I went to school with at the university of Montana, are wildly successful because they've done a great job of that, of, of turning the next page, turning the next chapter, but that's then where this Olympic athlete thing gets uh, even more muddled, because like you say, people would say oh, cry me a river for the Olympians, well what they don't understand is that Michael Phelps for the formative, all of his formative years of his youth, was spending 12 hours a day in a pool and if he wasn't in a pool, he right. was thinking or eating or breathing or all of the above, swimming, he's not developing any social skill. He's not developing any intellect. Being on a football team, you're interacting with humans. You're going to college. You're doing all these things that are building this broad tool bag that you can then use in the real world, whereas these Olympians, particularly when it comes to some of the super specialized sports like swimming or track and field, I mean, my gosh, it's it's no surprise to me that they have a hard time in the real world because they've literally done nothing but
1: breathe the sport that they're engaging in. We have a system that rewards that tremendously, right, and expects that and demands that, yet at the same time, you know, success in one domain doesn't necessarily generalize to another. For sure. but we expect it to. Like, we look at these folks and we see them as winners on the court or on the field or on the track, and we expect them to be, you know, heroes uh, outside of that. And so we have social expectations, too, that I, I think are out of whack. And I completely agree. Like, athletics were great for me. I knew it was never going to be a living. <laughs> right. So, you know, it was, it was just it taught me so much and it made great connections and it opened up a ton of doors and with it, you know, came a ton of privilege. Yep. Um, I won't deny that one one bit. But, you know, for those people that, um, yeah, anyway, like it is hard to be sympathetic in some ways, For sure. but watching that documentary made me see another side of it that I hadn't, uh, you know, I'd seen it, but not so explicitly. Well, I'll never forget
0: when I realized I was going to make my career in sports and not as a pro athlete. It was when I was at a Grizz football camp when I was in high school and I got ran over by Lex Hilliard who went on to become a third round draft pick <laughs> and played nine <laughs> years in the NFL. And I thought, man, I'm a pretty good football player. You know, I started on varsity when I'm only a sophomore and, uh, I am never going to be able to tackle that guy. No chance. There's no chance for me. So I just to figure out a way to then go uh, cover him and watch him and make uh, some sort of a living off of the observation part of this. Justin, we could talk forever. You're one of my favorite guys in the world to talk to. I appreciate it so much. Let's make. Let, let, let's get in touch in person soon. I haven't seen you in a long time, but we appreciate you swinging by. is now. It's a business angle with Justin Angle overlay between business and sports. It's one of my favorite things we do around here. We do it every other Tuesday. So be sure to check back with us. But Justin, thanks so much for. Spending the time and uh, stay cool in the meantime. Hope to see you soon. You as well. Thanks, Coulter. Talk soon. The business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do that every other week. Justin, one of the brightest guys in town, man, love it. Go check out a business angle or podcast as well as a new angle podcast. He's got his hands in the podcast world all over the place. Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads. He just walked in. Got a lot to update you on for Missoula's minor league baseball team. Keep it right here at 102.9 at ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. we yeah. We have so much stuff for you. We're so good to you people out there. But we love you. And you're so good to us as well. Welcome in, or welcome back, rather, to Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. I'm in the baseball mood. I got baseball fever. We're going to talk some baseball here in just a quick minute. Jeff Safford from the Zulu Paddleheads. Joining me, Coulter Nuanes, here on Nuanez Now. We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Happy to have Northwest Motorsport on board. Northwest Motorsport boasts the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Trucks, trucks, and more trucks go to NWMSrocks.com. That's NWMSrocks.com. Paddleheads are
2: uh, in town. What Jeff through through win? I, they, they're at least through the weekend, right? Uh, they're about to begin a three-game series against the Boise Hawks, and right? It's on the road, on the road. So this is the first time where it, first time in a while where it hasn't been six in a row.
0: You guys have been, I guess it's sort of like sometimes it's six, sometimes it's three and three. Uh, but the Paddleheads just did, did just wrap up a six-game series against the Ogden Raptors. We'll get into that as well. A big series win for Missoula, but three games in a row here in Missoula. Beginning tomorrow night. It is a Wolf Wednesday. You can bring your pup to the park. I got four tickets for you. Missoula Paddleheads versus the Boise Hawks, 705 P.M. First pitch. We got tickets in row uh section 104, row E. Uh they're great seats. They're my seats. they I guess they're our seats, all right. The ESPN Missoula, Missoula Broadcasting seats. But uh, give us a call right now. We're gonna go caller number five. That's 888 1029 That's 406 888 1029 I got four tickets to the Missoula Battleheads games, uh, specifically Wednesday's game. I'm going to get around to Thursday and Friday as well. But first, right now, Wednesday's game, give me a call right now, 888-1029, caller number 5, give Tommy information, four tickets to the Missoula Battleheads. Jeff, before we get into these recent results, I got to ask you your take on this. I was laughing so hard last week when I was doing this with Sean Rainey. Uh, I've been in and out with Major League Baseball. I've been trying to get back into it. Hanging out with Randy a lot helps because he's just obsessed with it. He's like Mr. Fantasy Baseball. He never shuts up about his fantasy team. He's always talking about the Padres and all the guys on his squad. But regardless, the thing that's been blowing up Twitter from the Major League Baseball perspective lately is this controversy with the pitchers doctoring the balls, which have then, then resulted in... These guys getting checked as they come off the field. And in some cases, <laughs> the pitchers are literally taking off their pants. They're having to drop trowel in the middle <laughs> of the field. And I, it's just, it's 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 insane. It's funny marketing for them, unintentional funny marketing for them. But I mean, what is your take on this and the way that these, uh, Major League Baseball is trying to regulate the spin rate and, and all these other things when it comes to uh, pitchers on the mound?
2: Well, it's really kind of a strange Take or stance that they're taking on it, right? Because it's been such an unwritten rule sure. in baseball for so long. It was. It's like now they acknowledge that pine tar is okay. Or I remember as a kid, sure, they were not supposed to use pine tar, but you could see it on their helmet. And the same thing with pitchers. I mean, if you've watched Clayton Kershaw pitch once, there's always some black substance on the brim of his cap. And it's like, hmm, I wonder what that is. And it's always just been kind of shoved under the rug. And I mean, to me, I don't, I don't know why it's such a big issue. It's not similar to we were talking about um, the steroid era a couple, sure, right. couple of weeks ago. But that, to me, that's nothing like that. And and a lot of times they could mistake it because the Mariners pitcher that got tossed from a game for potentially having some type of substance. He claimed that he just was using the rosin bag, which right. a rosin bag is on every professional mound in the United States, for the most part. All the way down into the minors, right? I mean, yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. And and beyond the minor leagues. So it's so what is usable and what isn't usable? To me, it's kind of just a weird stance to take. and And it seems like they're kind of rushing into it with no kind of precursor. Nobody really knows what the rules really are because there weren't really any to begin with. And that's baseball in a nutshell, because there's so many things that weren't illegal when
0: guys were doing them in mass, then baseball makes rules for them. This is exactly what happened with steroids. Like Mark McGuire had his Androstine or whatever it was called in his locker and a reporter asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, those are like my vitamins. That's my muscle supplements. And then nobody thought anything of it. And six months later, they do a research on what this supplement actually is. And they realize it's a pro hormone, which is a precursor to anabolic steroid. Then all this controversy starts. But in that moment, steroids were not illegal in baseball. There was no drug testing for them. And so it's just a a recircle of that. I thought the pine tar, though, was an interesting point you made. Jeff Safford, by the way, Missoula Paddleheads, joining us here on Nuanas now. Forever, there was always uh, just like the concept of just rosin in general. And it was true pine tar that was illegal. But other forms of sticky that you could put on your bat wasn't. The way that they sort of reeled it in was to say, okay, we're gonna we are gonna produce this type of pine tar, and then this is what you're allowed to use. I thought Rainey had a good thought on this. And I agree actually. I think that they need to make whatever the altering substance is that pitchers are using to grip the ball better and make the spin rate higher, they just need to have a uniform version of that, right? This guy can't use
2: this. This guy can't use this. You guys, if you're going to use it, you all use this specific one. To me, that would be the easiest way to go about it. But you're right. Kind of this is equating to a completely different problem. But in baseball, of course, tobacco, chewing tobacco is kind of a big issue. And the way Major League Baseball did it was if, if you came into the league at the time when it was still legal, you were allowed to still... Use it on the field where right. if rookies were not. And this right. kind of created this strange kind of juxtaposition because it's like if you see a guy chewing on the field, are you going to go through their baseball reference page and say, oh, you were a rookie back in 2018? You're not allowed, that type of thing. It's just kind of. Hmm, who yeah,
0: knows? Ex- exactly. My stance is, and this has always been my stance, it will always be my stance baseball is the American pastime. Baseball is the most American of the popular American pro sports. It's not the most popular, but it's the most American. Part of the reason that it is the most American, because the notion, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying hard enough, is so true for America throughout all of history. It's so true for baseball. And I just wish people would get over it, because since the advent of baseball in the post-Civil War days, everybody's been trying to find an advantage all along. It doesn't matter if you're putting sandpaper on your hat, Vaseline. You are stealing signs. Everything, every gener- every single 10-year span in baseball history has had some form of cheating scandal. People are always just going to cheat in baseball. <laughs> I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying it's a part of the allure of the sport. So maybe we should just stop being uh, so scrutinous of all of this. Tommy, do we have any winners for the tickets, or should I cue that up one more time? Cue it up. You want to go to tomorrow's Missoula Paddleheads game down there at the Ogren Park Allegiance Field, give us a call. I have four tickets. Great seats. They're fifth row. You're going to get beverage service, popcorn service, all that stuff. 888-1029-406. 406-888-1029. We'll be giving you Missoula Paddleheads tickets all summer long with the Paddleheads in town for three more Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I got tickets to Wednesday for you, so give us a call right here on Nuanas Now. Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads joining me, Colter Nuanas, broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. All right, Jeff, let's talk about the action here these last several nights in Missoula. The Ogden Raptors came to Missoula with the best record in the Pioneer League. They were a game up on the Osprey, although they are in the Southern Division. The Osprey, excuse me, the Paddleheads, as it were. I got my Osprey shirt on, so that's my Freudian slip. I was wearing my throwback here on the uh, the last um, Paddlehead segment of June. But the Raptors were a game up on Missoula when they come into town. Missoula takes four out of six, and now they are the undisputed number one team in the Pioneer League as we head into the dog days of summer, as they like to call it. So just take us through this last series, Azul did a pretty good job of rallying to take the the full set
2: of this six-game series against uh, the best team from the South. They absolutely did, and the last two nights of baseball was really, I think, important for this club. It kind of started in the middle of the series. They kind of hit a roadblock in the late innings where they had the lead in the ninth, two consecutive nights, and the Raptors found a way to rally back and take the lead late and kind of steal a couple of games, and it kind of... Kind of stained what was a good start to the series as they won the first two, so then game five kind of rolls along, and I talked to catcher Dean Navarrez about this, and they just said that they just felt like they needed to really set the tone that night and get a win and and they did end up seeing more late inning chaos in the eighth inning of that ball game, but a four run rally in the bottom of the eighth put Missoula out on top and they were able to Get the win. I think that kind of really set the tone for the entire six-game set because that put them in a spot where they could win the series last night and put some good at-bats together. Home run balls been a big deal for them all season long. They lead the Pioneer League in that category. Three homers in the later innings kind of capped it off, and they're able to come up with a series win against a very good ball club. Paddleheads, uh, excluding the
0: a new. Uh, extra any the knockout format, the home run derby that's replaced the extra rings. I think the Paddleheads, if you remove the first two of those that they had, uh, I think they won 17 out of their first 19 or 17 out of their first 20. Then they dropped four out of six, a little bit of a skid. So this was a great rally for them. And now they've sat here and I think they've won eight out of the last 14, which is fine when you consider they've been playing. They've played, what, count them up, nine games against the uh, opposing best team in the Pioneer League. So do you feel like they, they take some momentum here now? Yeah, it's not the stretch run yet. It's sort of the heart of the season now. We've gotten through the first part of the season. Now you're going to have coming back around the the return. Like Boise's coming to town for the first time. Teams that they've already played either home or away. They're going to see them again. But What do you think of just the status of the Paddleheads right now
2: as they enter the month of July? Well, I would think for them this has to feel like a big stretch of games they have coming up. They have the Boise Hawks coming into town a team that they've had success against they're 6 and 0 against them this season and then they got the Great Falls Voyagers after that a team that another team that has a record under 500 then after that it's another run of 6 against the Raptors so i would think leading up to that six game slate on the road part of a nine game road trip that the Paddleheads would really want to set themselves up where they're winning some ball games playing well going into another tough slate of games against a real tough same team from the South.
0: Jeff Zavard, Missoula Paddleheads joining us here on Nuana's Now. We do this each Tuesday. Paddleheads are always off on Tuesdays. So that's why Jeff swings by the studio. Congratulations to John, our winner of the Missoula Paddleheads tickets. Stay tuned. A little bit later on in Nuanas Now we'll give you tickets to Thursday's game as well. The Paddleheads in town Wednesday Thursday and Friday. This upcoming series against the Boise Hawks will be a good one. But, Jeff, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, In other news, 4th of July is coming up this weekend. And then the match uh, between Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, that'll take place next Tuesday, Big Sky Montana. So that is sure to get people excited about golf in Montana. And the Paddleheads, as well as us here at ESPN Missoula, are proud to present that the Paddleheads Golf Club will be back. The ballpark will transform into a nine-hole golf course. You can tee off for five days, Tuesday through Sunday, so that's July 6th, the day of the match, through then the following Sunday. You can go book tee times now at, at milb.com. Just go to MILB backslash Missoula, and you'll find the link. That's probably a little bit easier than the actual uh, metadata link here, but you'll be able to find it no matter what. Paddle be- Paddle Beach Golf Club is what you probably want to Google. But golfers of all ages and skill levels have the opportunity to experience Paddle Beach Golf Club for day and night rounds. The course includes a nine-hole unique uh, hitting bays, nine on-field pin locations, a personal caddy at each hole, and a 10th hole party area. You're going to want to have a brewski when you're done or, you know, a water or whatever. I don't need to force you to drink the beer, but if you, if you can and you want to, do it. Uh, Tuesday through Thursday from 4 to 9 p.m. Friday, Saturday, 2 to 11 p.m. And Sunday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tea times operate every 10, 10 minutes. Uh, maximum of four golfers per tea time. But this is very affordable, 20 bucks per round. So go check out the uh, Paddle Beach Golf Club. Are you a of a golfer? Are you going to participate in the Paddle Beach Golf Club? Well, You'll probably be on the road, though,
2: right? Because I think the paddleheads are on the road during this stretch. Yeah, which is part of the reason why they're setting it up at this point they're going on a about to be going on a nine game road trip right. so it kind of makes sense to be setting this up and I think it sounds like a really fun deal I'm kind of disappointed it won't be able to take parts but because uh, I am a golfer myself oh, and, yeah, cool. and it, it sounds like that the course is fun and it's kind of a target golf idea sure. kind of a par three right. course so something that if you're an avid golfer and you play a lot you could go out and have some fun with it or if you're just a knucklehead like me that hits the ball Fifty yards the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> that hey, you can just go out there and have some fun. Also, I think it might be my time to touch my first golfing stick.
0: Let's go! I thought was actually tell. I was gonna say you and I should go out there since we we're sponsoring this anyways, Tommy. You might as well go make an appearance. You know, we should broadcast live with the remote box and the headsets and the iPad as we golf. Let's go! That's what we're gonna do. Great idea. Nuana is now with no sports content. It'll be all golf, all Tommy, all over the place. It'll be. <laughs> phenomenal. Jeff, you're the man. Thanks for swinging by. If you haven't checked him out, please do. If you have been, keep on doing it. Jeff is live for every single Missoula Paddleheads game, both home and away right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. He's doing a tremendous job. He's an awesome play-by-play guy. You will enjoy your baseball experience with this guy. So whether you're at home or away, you're ticking around the garage, whatever, keep it here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Jeff will take you home with the Missoula Paddleheads pretty much every night this summer. Thanks so much for swinging by, Jeff. Yeah, no problem. Jeff will be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, we'll be back here in just a quick minute. Jim O'Day, former athletic director from the University of Montana, is here to talk all things Montana Football Hall of Fame, the recent Supreme Court ruling from the NCAA, Damian Lillard into the Olympics, and much, much more. So keep it right here on ESPN Missoula.
1: After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as
0: usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. When you actually understand the way the music industry works, which I know Tommy does a great deal, you understand the way record contracts work, you understand the way royalties work. There's a great many very, very successful music artists that are not nearly as rich as you think they are. I cannot imagine how rich George Strait is. Because George Strait has written 50 number one hits. He wrote, wrote, recorded, has all the master recordings of them. He owns the rights to every single base of lyrics. Every time you hear a George Strait song, he's the only person making money off of
1: it. Except he screwed up because he didn't get his publishing. Oh, boy. So 70% of each sale and performance goes to publishing, then it's divvied
0: up amongst the copyright holder, the master uh, uh, recording artist, the
1: lyricist, composer, etc. So the plot's thick there, Coulter. We could talk about that
0: for an hour. Uh, we are going to talk about it a little bit more in the second hour, but the first hour is already in the books. Thanks so much for Justin Angle and Jeff Safford for swinging by. Justin Angle of Business Angle, Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads. You need a place to watch the NBA playoffs? Game on tonight. Go check out the Silver Slipper. They have 55 TVs, all the NBA action, all the NHL action, all the sports, whether it's NBA, NFL, MMA, whatever you want. The Slipper has it on for you. Drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Card room is back in action as well. So just call or text 333-1500 to get your spot. Stop by and see what the Silver Slipper, one of Montana's best-kept secrets today. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. Hi, keep it right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. If you were watching on uh, SWX Montana television, uh, SWX cutting now into a Bozeman-Bucks American Legion baseball game. So go switch over to the YouTube if you want to keep watching us. Or switch over to the live stream at 102.9 ESPN.com. Or turn on your trusty radio. Whatever you want, we got a great second hour for you. Jim O'Day, former University of Montana athletic director, in studio with us to talk Montana football Hall of Fame, the recent Supreme Court rating, uh, ruling, excuse me, concerning the NCAA. We got Free Leary Deli. We got a former Bobcat as the GM of the Missoula Mavericks. We got a former Big Sky Conference star on the Olympic team, and we got our Treasure State stars. Jam-packed second hour coming at you hot. It's Nuanas now.